From the Financial Times in London, I'm John Murray Brown and this is FT News. My name is Hedwig. I'm Dutch and I came from the Netherlands here in 2001 because I fell in love with a, a Brit. <laughs> I see myself as self-sufficient, so I never ask for any benefits, no money from the government. The uh, income of my partner is sufficient for us both to live on. For about uh, 10 years, I did two university degrees. Unfortunately, in 2012, I got a diagnosis with breast cancer. Then while recovering, I decided to do something back for uh, the charity that helped me a lot. And I'm doing a lot of volunteering work for breast cancer care. And that is basically how I spend a lot of my time. Until, of course, the unfortunate Brexit referendum. And from that date, my life is basically a bit upside down. Britain's decision to leave the European Union has thrown the fate of many Europeans living in the UK into doubt. Hedwig, who we just heard is one of over three million EU citizens desperate to secure their right to continue living here. In this programme, we're going to hear some of their stories. Of course, the 24th of June, we woke up with a shock because uh, I guess like everybody in the country, nobody really thought it would happen that the UK would actually vote to leave. From the campaign, the first time, I'm living here now 16 years, so in 15 years, first time I felt a foreigner. I never felt like that before. But since the campaigning and after Brexit, I feel like I have to justify myself of being here. And now finding myself in this legal limbo that I don't know what my status, legal status will be the moment the UK leaves this country. And despite all our efforts, the government is just plainly refusing to give us any guarantees, which is quite upsetting. We visited a Polish community centre in Lewisham in South London to find out what are the main concerns of immigrants seeking permanent residency in the UK. Katarzyna works for an East European resource centre which has been providing advice to Central Europeans living in London for over 35 years. We cover all topics, welfare, housing, benefits, employment law. But after the Brexit vote, the migration law advice is the most popular because people are really anxious what will happen with them, with the future. When we do our outreach, when we visit different shops with leaflets, when we talk with the people in their workplaces, they're really anxious about the Brexit, like everybody's talking about it right now. One of the people Katarzyna has been advising is Agnieszka. I've been living in the UK for 13 years. For three years, I've been taking care of children. Before that, I worked in a bank and in other places. I came to this workshop to find out what the truth is, how many of permanent residence applications are rejected, what kind of documents I have to attach to my application, and if I really need private medical insurance if I am a stay-at-home parent. I will fill in the residence application form. I think that at least one person in my family will apply for citizenship as well. Everyone has always said that permanent residence is not required, even when we bought a house a couple of years ago. Now, when things get heated around Brexit... 
Everyone wants to have a confirmation in hand that we can stay here. Many EU citizens think the best way to secure their legal status is to apply for permanent residency, the first step towards naturalization. To qualify, they have to have lived in the UK for five years. But even when this is the case, many applications are still rejected by the Home Office. Usually this is because applicants have fallen down on the bureaucratic requirements. Filling in the 85-page application form can be a struggle. But a more serious obstacle for many is obtaining all the documents required to prove continuous stay in the country, as Katarzyna explains. I think the form does look scary when you look at it for the first time and maybe your English is not perfect and you didn't check the advice guide. You don't have to fill it all. You can left the parts that are not relevant to your situation and you don't even have to send these parts. But I think many people are not aware. They just says the number of pages and they are afraid to touch it. Then many people don't have documents to prove that they were working. For example, if they were moving quite often, they may lose their documents. If they weren't in a room, they can't really prove that they were living here because they have no tenancy agreement, no bills, and that is very frequent. People share houses for years, so they can't supply those documents. Sometimes they don't have bank statements, and you have to pay at the moment if you want to get your bank statements. Immigrants who have lived in the UK as students stay-at-home parents, or who have been self-sufficient like Hedwig, often face a completely unforeseen hurdle, the need to provide proof of comprehensive sickness insurance. Many have been unaware that they were required to hold this additional insurance during the whole time that they were studying or otherwise economically inactive. There's many people who came here to work. They work for one year, two years, then they went to the uni and they didn't buy this insurance simply because they didn't aware that they have to do it. And now when they want to apply for residency status, they can't because they have this break in five years. So it's a big issue. The Comprehensive Sickness Insurance Clause is the reason why Hedwig cannot apply for permanent residency, as she explains. So after Brexit, the first few months I didn't do really anything because I thought the government would quickly come with a reassurance and sort of like a stamp in our passports, like, OK, you're fine, you're here now, you will be fine. But when that didn't happen, so beginning this year, I was starting to look into what actually, what can I do? Is there anything I can do to make my future more secure here. So that was when I looked into permanent residency and to my shock I found out that according to the current rules I'm not even able to apply because I won't get it because of this issue which is called the comprehensive sickness insurance. Never ever, not at the point of registering for the local GP uh, as a patient or becoming an... I, I did my studies at the Open University so you could say it is a part-time study. I don't know whether that was different, would have been different with the Brick University but I believe nobody ever was told about this need to have private health insurance. Looking into it, I believe it was only actually reinforced since 2011 that this was this private health insurance issue. Of course, even then, nobody told us, but as we don't need to register in this country, this country doesn't even know basically that I'm here in this sense. I mean, I'm on the electoral roll, but otherwise nobody would even know I'm here. It is quite bizarre. According to lawyers, 
the Comprehensive Sickness Insurance Clause will be most painful for people who work at universities or those who have been studying in the UK for a long time. Harula, a Greek researcher, is one of those. I came here as a PhD student and currently I'm married to a British. I have a son here and I also work here. Although I have been living for so many years continuously and I have all these ties, I cannot actually qualify for a permanent residency. In my case, it's this kind of problem that I don't neatly fit in any of these categories. They kind of overlap because I have been a student, I've also been working. When I was submitting my PhD, I didn't work very much because I was focusing on that. So that meant that my earnings were very low, which meant that I cannot claim the worker kind of thing. It has a break in my uh, worker history. So I was self-sufficient. So it's all a bit too messy. <laughs> it doesn't fit into this uh, beautiful four or five categories that they have put out there. I don't carry comprehensive sickness insurance for all these years that I was a student. I, I didn't have that. When we registered at the university, there wasn't uh, in, uh, at any point in the application or anywhere kind of information or the requirement that you have to present that. Such bureaucratic hurdles add to the impression for many EU nationals that they are no longer welcome in the UK and some, like Hedwig, feel they have no option but to consider leaving. Worst case scenario, I would have to leave. It will be made very difficult for me to stay because of no access to the NHS or no right to work or whatever. Then that will be hard. So when do we move then? Maybe to the Netherlands, for example. When do we move? Do we do that before the UK leaves the EU or after? Secondly, my partner's parents, they are elderly. His father is 91, his mother 87. He is only child. He has no siblings. So do we leave those elderly people on their own while we move abroad? I think it is very easy to say people should move back to their own country, but we are here so long. We are married to British people. We have British children. We have British neighbours, families, and it is not just us EU citizens, it is the people who are our extended British family as well that are suffering with this insecurity. This podcast was researched and produced by Zorsha Vonshik. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. 
Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.